0: Okay, here we go. After i tell you all the first part of this sermon, you may not want me to preach anymore. And I'm only halfway joking, okay? I remember as a young person, being 13 or so, and knowing far more than my parents the day that I turned 13, I began to show a rebellious streak in me that I had really never known before. I'd been a kid that never really wanted to to make anyone mad at me. I'd had the fear of God instill in me at at a young age. I loved my parents and my grandparents and and had had always been one to do as I was told. Did I sin? Of course I did. I I used to terrorize my two sisters. That gave me great joy, and to an extent still does. But it seemed that when I turned 13, my dad and I really didn't see eye to eye on anything anymore. And uh, unfortunately for the rest of his life, we never did. Not sure what happened, other than, as I said at the beginning, I woke up as a teenager one day and I knew more than my parents did automatically. I don't know how that happened, but it did, okay? Now please understand, as I grew older, as a teen, I I never got into any kind of major trouble, okay? The occasional coming in late from a date, things like that. Got drunk once, paid for that in major ways for a long time. But it wasn't until I went into college that I actually began to spread my wings. I found drugs when I was younger were not even in existence. I thought pots were were stuff you put flowers in, you know. We found out different. (laughs) (laughs) Evidently there's others in here that did too from the way that laughter sounded. Uh, I, I was given the occasional beer at home when I, uh, with other relatives when I was staying with someone other than my parents. And we had a friend when I was in high school that, that looked a whole lot older than everybody else, but we had a convenience store that I promise you if you were over the age of six, they'd sell beer to you. And it, the legal age then was, was only 18, so you young folks, <laughs> you got to wait. So when I left home at the age of 18, boy, did I really think I knew it all. I went to school on what my father called the party plan. But I was having a good time. I was enjoying myself. And to an extent, that was everything that mattered to me at that particular time. Never mind that my parents had worked so hard to get me into school. Never mind that my grandparents had prayed hard for my scholastic success. They had encouraged me all the 12 years of my scholastic life previously to be the best student that I could be, to get the best grades that I could get, to learn to study so that when I went to college, it wouldn't throw me for a loop. Never mind that the preacher that I had when I was growing up got so exasperated with me because I was not darkening the door of the church in Columbia. Another, by the way, here, there was only one church that I could go to when I was growing up. All the rest were on the road to hell anyway, so it didn't really matter. If you didn't go to this one particular church, and we won't mention names, That you were lost, so it just didn't matter. Never went the first time. But he did ask me one time... Did you go to church like you told me you were going to? Yeah, I went. Well, dumb me, all he had to do was just call the preacher down there and find out very quickly that I didn't. So, you know, it didn't take him very long to figure that out. But you see, I was smarter than everybody else. I didn't have to worry about that. I didn't need church. None of the guys that I roomed with or were on the same floor with, they didn't go. I sure wasn't going to be laughed at for going on a Sunday morning. We were men. We didn't need anything outside the dorms that we lived in, in the hall that we lived on, and the close friends that we had on that hall. Meanwhile, back in Rock Hill, people were praying and worrying as my GPA or GPR, whichever one it was then, what it isn't now, it's the opposite of whatever it was, kept sinking lower and Lower. While my parents, these two people had worked so hard to get me on the right track all of my life to get a degree, to get a good education, to be successful in life, at least in their eyes anyway, watched from the sidelines. They watched their son slowly blowing his future. I was happy as a pig in slopping, living in La La Land. That's all that mattered to me at the time. I'd go to class occasionally and barely scraped by until it was almost too late to stay in school. You want to know the really sad thing about all of this? While I thought we were all just laying around, doing drugs, drinking, living the high life because we didn't have anyone to necessarily answer to, somehow or another, one of my really close friends was getting a degree in nuclear physics. He actually got his Ph.D., I think, two years later than the other guys got their bachelor's degree. They were going to work for various companies. One former roommate of mine started working part-time when he was still in school with UPS. He retired a few years ago as manager of the same UPS plant in Louisville, Kentucky. There are other success stories that I could give you about a lot of those guys who it seemed was having as much fun as I was, rebelling in our own way against what we had been taught our entire lives. You see, I almost let outside influences do me in. When I read this passage in Proverbs, a passage that I'll be very honest with you, I really hadn't dwelt on a great deal. I'd read over it a few times in reading Proverbs and things like this. But until I began to actually work on this sermon a few weeks ago, I had never connected the stories that I just told you to it. And yet this passage screamed at me at how appropriate it was for how I had lived my life. And I better do the same thing for my grandfather and my former minister from many years before as they thought about me. Maybe they thought about this very same passage. Good godly based men that they were. Maybe as I was telling you some of the highlights or maybe in some people's eyes the lowlights of my years of growing up. Maybe you saw you in there somewhere. So let me ask you a basic question here this morning, one you may or may not have ever wondered about. Why do we rebel? You ever thought about it? You ever just sat down one, one afternoon when you had nothing else to do, like we all have those days, you know? <laughs> Why do we rebel? Other than the obvious answer, well, you know, Adam and Eve committed that little faux pas back in the garden with the snake there, the serpent. That's what got it all started. I don't think any of us can doubt that or argue with it. They were the original rebels rebelling against God. The one command that he had for them to not eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or what, as it says in Genesis 2.17, they would surely die. There's not a, a, a possibly die. Don't do this. I'll smack you on the hand. You will surely die. That was the instructions given by God. So you got to ask them, why did they rebel? Because they wanted to be as wise as God. They wanted to have their own identity, to be recognized for who they were. They were somebody. They could make their own decisions for themselves. Forget the repercussions. As Frank Sinatra once sang, they did it their way. And that is, I think, <clears throat> the basic tenet of why we rebel in life against those who are older, wiser, more understanding of what life is and should be about. We have a desire to learn for ourselves by ourselves. Our pride gets in the way as it did with Adam and Eve. And by the way, you know why we should listen to those more experienced? Because they probably did a lot of the same things that you did when they were young. Except they got caught at it. We, on the other hand, were so much smarter than that. We weren't going to get caught, right? But you see, in the elder house at 2163 Summers Glen, we have a saying, and we've had it for a number of years. I did not just make this up. But in the elder household, we do the simplest of things with the greatest of difficulty. Experience for someone else means they got caught at it. We're smarter, right? Look at the words of the first verse of our reading your father's instructions, your mother's teaching. Fast forward a minute. Teaching from Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Mark 3, verses 31 through 35. Jesus is healing people right and left, including Peter's mother-in-law. Many were following Jesus right then out of curiosity, perhaps. Maybe out of quiet desperation. As they or a friend or a family member were were very, very sick. Maybe even deathly sick. Jesus' mother and brothers get word of all of this. And they want to go see what Jesus is up to. This is not like him. He hadn't done things like this before, right? Verse 31 and on says this. And his mother and brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about those, all that were sitting around him, Jesus said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my mother and sister and brother. Are you hearing what's being said here? Whoever does the will of God, my Father in heaven, they are the ones that I will learn from and listen to. These are the ones who will not steer me wrong. They are the ones that I can bring my problems to, and they're going to listen. When they give me sage advice, I will. I must listen. Jesus was all about His Father's will. Look at Luke twenty two thirty nine 39-46. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane right there, praying. It almost seems he is begging for his life. He begs his Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Did you hear that? Not my will, but yours be done. What's Jesus thinking here? Hear, H-E-A-R. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Hear it. Follow it. That's another one of those perfect things that Jesus can do, and we have the hardest time trying to follow suit. But look to a verse from last week, verse 7 of Proverbs 1. Here, I think, is the basic motivation behind all of what we had just talked about from 8 and 9 fear of the lord in other words being respectful reverent toward god uh, who god is as we should be respectful to our parents or elders within the confines of our own families or relationship circles jesus was all about doing his father's will our father's will a simple statement from seven the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Go home and look at that. Put it in your heart. Put it in your head some way or another. But let's not forget mama here, okay? First, immediately notice that Solomon, who wrote a goodly part of the book of Proverbs, includes the wisdom of mothers to be involved in in learning wisdom, <clears throat> look at the role that many mothers played in the scriptures. We have before we talked about Jesus just a few minutes ago in, in Mark three, but his mo- biological mother was such a de- had played such a developmental role in raising Jesus and all of her children. She ran the household and she made sure that the children learned scripture. This was a normal thing. This wasn't just Jesus and his mama. This was the whole Jewish community they were doing this. They were raising their children in their proper way. Look at Timothy. Timothy's upbringing was remarked upon in 2 Timothy 1 verse 5. Paul remembers Timothy's grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice who brought the young man up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Look at what Moses' mom did for him, protecting him, staying a part of Moses' life, even when he lived in a little temple or a little little place, that uh, the Egyptian, uh, where the Pharaoh lived, that, that little homestead. There are other examples on how mothers have played such a positive role in their children in both the Old and the New Testaments. So what does this tell us? We should be all about our mother and our father's will. Now, wanting to follow God's will might put us at odds with those around us, maybe even folks that we truly respect, maybe even our own family. However, if we are to truly try to follow Jesus' example of how to live, we too must be about our father's business. And what happens when we follow Christ's example? Somehow or another, we become wiser too. Not sure we ever attain the high standard of wisdom because of our fallenness, but we become wiser in this world. Look at the common sense of verse 10. If you go no further in this passage for today, the first three verses pretty well sum up, pretty much says it all. But verse 10 is full of truth. And it just may be the most difficult verse to read and to follow. My son and my daughter can't leave the women out here. If sinners entice you, do not consent. How clear can it be? Continuing on at 11 through 14. If they say, come with us, throw in your lot with us. Let's go plunder. Let's ambush the innocent. My son or daughter, don't do it. How can that be any plainer? Who are they ambushing? They're ambushing you. They're not ambushing anyone else. Who are they plundering? Again, they're plundering you. They're taking your life away from you. What is verses 10 through 14 saying here? Stay away from the bad stuff that the world tries to entice you with. Walk away from it. Don't even give it a second thought. But let's be real here. The enticement of living a bit outside the bounds of what you might have been taught is very real, almost invigorating, isn't it? There's nothing like doing something sinful the first time. That rush of adrenaline you may have, especially if you nearly get caught. Makes you want to jump in there and and do something else daring, doesn't it? But you know what? While this passage sounds very much like it's being directed to young people, it's not. If you simply look at what we call the Ten Commandments, the basic moral law by which we should all live, something I believe most of the world knows in its purest form. They may not be able to quote all one through ten, but they know what those things mean. Breaking a number of those commandments can be devastating to an adult or to a young person. Maybe even some might go beyond the scope of what the words in the Ten Commandments actually say. Driving drunk, for instance, or impaired in another way. Cheating on an exam. Falsifying tax returns. I know those are the Ten Commandments. I know that they're in there somewhere along the line. But don't we oftentimes try to justify our actions when they don't include anyone else but you? No one else coerced you into doing those things. Look at David, a man after God's own heart. Look at what he did. I think Fred mentioned this a couple of weeks ago in in our uh, coming to worship. Um, He mentioned this a few weeks back. David didn't need any help at all to lust after Bathsheba. Look at all the other sins that came from just that one sin alone. The loss of a man's life. A child being born out of wedlock. Look at all of these things just because he looked in the wrong place at the wrong time and was tempted and he fell for it. Now We don't need much help to get ourselves into trouble, do we? But we need others' wisdom to avoid it, do we not? Enter Nathan. When you get an opportunity look at 2 Samuel, and you'll see what Nathan did for David. We, know, we, look at, you know, we look at some of the more obvious sins that we can get ourselves into. Solomon mentions murder. Verse 11, a bit graphically, he says, lying in wait for someone's blood, ambushing the innocent for no reason, And we think, well, I'm not going to murder anybody. And yet, as we've talked about before, we have the potential to harm others in ways that are just as bad at times. We can take away things from ourselves that can be as bad as well. Avoid them, we're told here. Satan is going to try to make sin seem so attractive and perhaps even beneficial to us. But I ask you, Have you ever seen a potential sin that was ugly or unattractive? No, sir. You're not going to find them like that. Afterward, the ugliness of that sin comes pouring forth, and you see it for what it is. It's hideous. To that end, we are enticed by others to enter into sin. How many of those relationships are lasting to us? Think about this one. How many people, if you ever got into a serious amount of trouble, how many people that got you into that serious kind of trouble, you took them home to meet mom and dad? (laughs) Not many of them are there. Uh Uh-uh. Hey, this is the guy that helped me rob that store. This is John here. This is Joe here. You know, welcome him into the family. No, I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't. Verses 15 through 19 basically tells us this we all heard, probably since the time we became teenagers, these words. Simple sage wisdom for every one of us, no matter the age. Do not follow the crowd. That whole crowd jumped off the bridge, you going to jump too? Everybody asked, I see some, yeah, huh? Y'all got the same dad I had then, huh? For those of us who were a bit older than our teenage days, you might think, well, I don't follow the crowd. Yeah, we had a group when I was in high school like that. We, we, you know, we didn't do anything crazy. We had some good times. We you know, ruffled a few feathers here and there, but we didn't do any, any really crazy stuff. But see, I'm an adult now. All that doesn't matter. I don't follow anyone like that anymore. Folks, whether you realize it or not, social media. We read magazines. We read it in magazines and in newspapers. We pick it up on local and national news media networks. Here is what we're promoting. Follow our thinking. Our thinking is right because it's this, that, or the other thing. Or now, follow what we say because it's right and because our competitor is wrong. There are so many potentially harmful things we can get ourselves into by simply listening to others and following their lead. I don't care if you're one or a hundred. You don't have to be a teen anymore. Verse 15 puts it simply. Don't follow these people. Walk away from them. 2 Corinthians 6 verses 14 through uh, 18 tells us this. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? And then get this one. What agreement as the temple of God, that's us, with idols. If it it does, does not get much plainer than that, folks. Verse 16 tells us where those who tempt us into sin, tempt us into sin are headed. They, these people want to shed blood. Maybe not in the basic sense that we think of it, doing someone else physical harm their intent is to harm you because they've already been harmed themselves verse 18 tells us that these men that lie in wait for their own blood they set an ambush for their own lives don't go down that path with them we're being told Now, verse 17 seems to be kind of an odd verse but it's very plain and forthright actually any bird with his, uh, worth his weight is smart enough not to fly into a trap. Don't get caught in a trap even a bird could see is what's being said here, okay? Don't fall into temptation because temptation always leads to a trap. Those who tempt have already fallen into that trap. Beware. After you've been harmed by these tempters, then it'll be you who are doing the tempting. Like those before you. Your greed for possessions will grow and grow. Do not listen to what God tells us to do. Do not listen to what your parents tell you to do. If you're over the age of teendom. Don't listen to what others you think are smarter than you. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to people who are kin to you who are far wiser in life circumstances. Do not listen to these people's advice, or it could cost you. Crime in one sense, evil in another, and just plain sin does not pay. never has, and it never will. Galatians 6, verse 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Greed is a drug that perhaps arguably might be stronger than any drug we could ever take here on earth. Always wanting more. Always wanting something someone else has. Always wanting to feel better than you perceive others to feel. Always wanting to feel something outside your own body. All these things can lead to an emptiness that in and of itself can lead to furthering desires that can never be satisfied. And then you go too far. Sin, even when attractive, can be deadly. Simply go back to Genesis 2 and 3 and I I think you'll get the best example you could get of a statement like that. Steer clear of people who want to take you down paths you know are shortcuts to good decisions. Steer clear of what you know to be short-term pleasures. As Proverbs 1, 8 through 19 is trying to tell us here, steer clear of sin we know will take away from us rather than enhance who we are. Don't give in to the short-term pleasures of this world. They may cost you more than you're ready to pay. Fight temptation. But know that unless Jesus Christ dwells within you, the enemy is going to keep coming back harder and harder at you, and you've got no defense, and he will eventually win. Heed the wisdom of others who may have already been down the road you're going right now. Count on those who are brothers and sisters in Christ. Those, Jesus said in Mark 3, are our mother, our brother, and our sister. To give you the kind of support that you need. Know that it is in Christ Jesus. You can make it through the storms that life can and will put you through. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen, church. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, thank you. We praise you once again for these harsh lessons that we have to be reminded of. For many of us, we have been able to escape really difficult situations in our lives. Others may be facing them in the near future. To be young, to be old, it doesn't really matter. But I pray, Lord, if you would, may these words from... Proverbs 1, 8 through 8-19, ring in our ears and carry on down into our hearts. The Father will look to you. We'll look to those who are wiser than us. We don't have to feel like we are the only one in the world experiencing these problems. Help us to that end. We ask you, be with us always, we pray. It's in Jesus' name we ask this prayer. Amen.